Pain Talk, a podcast for patients living with pain and those that care for them. Now here's your host, palliative and emergency care physician, Dr. Maureen Allen. So welcome back, everyone. Thanks for joining me for another Pain Talk podcast. Today, we're going to dig into those five factors that we talked about, but we'll probably only have time for maybe one today. And these are the factors that drive pain chronification uh, with a focus on central sensitization today. So this is where we've gone through that transition. So pain has already become chronic. And now we want to look at what are the factors that are actually driving this pain. And we need to remember that from the brain's perspective, this is all about protection and survival. So it doesn't have to make a lot of sense uh, to the patient, some of these behaviors. In fact, at times it almost seems irrational, the things that we're doing, because what's driving this type of response is that primitive part of our brain called the limbic system, which is really about survival and it's really about seeking pleasure. So sometimes the behaviors can be very irrational. Where we want to get patients is to that more mindful place, which is the prefrontal cortex, so that they can start making some decisions that are based not on that chaotic nature, but are things that are going to start to create some calm within the nervous system. So patients who are living with persistent pain are often living in a very chaotic uh, pain state. So we want to get them to that prefrontal cortex, which helps them come to that very mindful, calm place. So just to remind us, pain chronification is that process of transient or acute pain progressing into persistent pain. So what causes this really is is an imbalance that starts to happen between the amplification of pain or that ascending pathway and that descending pathway, which is supposed to help to dampen down that pain response, it also becomes uh, non-functioning or not functioning in a way that it's helpful for the patient. So there's an imbalance between amplification of pain and the inhibition of pain. So what we start to see is that with persistent with the persistence of pain is that the role of that peripheral neuroanatomy becomes less important and these central mechanisms start to take over gradually. So the persistence of pain is more likely determined not by the type or the mode of injury. So regardless of the type of injury that the patient has, it's really about what's happening within the central nervous system once chronification has happened. So the type or or the mode or the severity of injury can impact or create that first impact. But when we look at pain chronification, it's more about what's happening within the central nervous system. So our focus for management when patients have developed chronic pain should be directed more to that central nervous system. So those groups of factors that we talked about, so there's these neurobiological factors that are going on. This is the neuroplasticity, which has been driven by that glial cell activity, which is being driven by that neuroinflammation, which is being driven by that um, central sensitization. There's also these neuroendocrine factors that are impacting, which is one of the reasons why we start to see more persistent pain in women than we do with men. And there's also these central processes which are coming from these higher learning circuits that start to disrupt many things, including the sleep disruption, our response to stress, all these kinds of things. So in fact, in some persistent pain syndromes, that uh, brain representation actually completely becomes disconnected from the peripheral neuroanatomy And one of the classic uh, persistent pain syndromes that does that is fibromyalgia and inflammatory bowel disease. So we go from a nociceptive circuit to more emotional learning circuits, which become really important. So our focus needs to be more on those areas if we're able to help patients live with this very complex pain. So these factors that we talked about, the central sensitization, neuroinflammation, the higher, higher learning circuits, the life experiences that patient brings, and these pain protective behaviors 
are what really start to drive persistent pain. Um, so this, these are patients that have transitioned from acute to chronic pain. So we just want to break each of those down very carefully. So I will mention just very briefly, and we'll talk about neuroinflammation in another podcast, but neuroinflammation is a really important thing that we need to understand. So inflammation normally is a natural reaction of self-protection to what our body perceives as a harmful event or harmful stimuli. So we think of it commonly with, you know, infection, with injury, um, those kinds of things. So normally that inflammatory response works quite well um, and it does what it needs to do to keep us in that nice balance. But there are times when that inflammatory response itself starts to create problems and starts to cause damage to us and causes organ dysfunction. So Nathan and Ding have done a really good job in this in an article that I will post on our webpage. And what they note is that the fundamental problem regarding inflammation is not how often it starts, but how often it fails to subside. So that's important. Uh, So that neuroinflammation piece is something we're going to come back to in the next podcast. So when I talk about sensitization or central sensitization, I tell patients that this is like a volume control issue. So what's happening is that you get this increased input to the brain, which causes amplification of the pain signaling um, by these nociceptive circuits within the peripheral nervous system. So, But we start to see this amplification start to happen within the central nervous system. So it can change sort of the input that's coming into the brain. It starts to, that sensitization, that amplification starts to engage these uh, non-neuronal cells, which are the glial cells and mast cells. So they start to kind of amplify as well. So they go from maintaining homeostasis to more dysregulation, which contributes to that neuroinflammation. So this is one of the reasons why often uh, we think about neuropathic pain as a neuropathy, but many of the experts actually refer to central sensitization as a gliopathy meaning that these glial cells, or gliopathy, sorry, these glial cells are really what's driving all of these processes within the central nervous system. So they contribute to the neural inflammation that begins to drive that central sensitization or the upregulation. So both of these factors are really important. So what central sensitization is, is that you're getting these changes that are happening at the terminal of the neuronal cells. So the fancy name for this synapse is called a tetraparid synapse, and I hope I'm saying that right. It's a little bit, but I think of it as a communication hub, really. So what starts to happen is you start to see this bidirectional communication that happens within that synapse, what these non-neuronal cells are doing. So you've got these neuronal cells with their, their nerve cell, they have their axon, and then they have the synapse that is the communication in between. What these non-neuronal cells do is they attach to the axons or they attach to the dendrites of these neuronal cells and they start to impact uh, communication and input into these cells. So you start to see this uh, upregulation or this change in communication that's happening within this communication hub. So this synapse is called the tetraparate synapse. So just to kind of dig a little bit deeper in there, I mean, the way I think about this communication hub that starts to happen where you have the neuronal cells and the non-neuronal cells that are actually altering the information that's going in and driving this neuroinflammation, is I think of it as the same way I think about office, you know, cooler talk or hallway consults. You know, everybody's kind of communicating. There's information that's exchanged back and forth. It's changing the dialogue. It changes sort of the reactions of people around us. This is literally what I think about when I think about this synapse and where, where we start to see that uh, there starts to be some dysregulation that starts to happen within the glial cells, which contributes to that neuroinflammation, which we talked about, which is truly the driver of that central sensitization. 
So the analogy that I've seen in the literature, which I think is a great analogy, so what is actually happening here, we sort of mentioned it briefly, is that these non-neuronal cells, which include the uh, microglia and the, the astrocytes and the mast cells, what we talked about, there are also these oligodendrocytes as well, is that if you think about a train station um, and you think about uh, the neuron as that train station uh, with its dendritic processes, and then you have the railway track, which is the axon, and then you have the synapse, which is really the terminal. This is where people get off and get on and you know, people make adjustments. So if you look at a train that's going from Halifax to Montreal, say, then we, we get these, these non-neuronal cells which behave like passengers. So they're jumping on and jumping off. So they start to impact how that neuron communicates and it changes the information that's going. But generally what you start to see is this increase in urgency, which is communicated through the increase in neuroinflammation and the dysregulation of these cells. So it's kind of an interesting analogy that helps us understand how all this works. Now, I'm sure it's even more intrinsic, but that's sort of my understanding about what's actually happening. So you get this heightened change that starts to happen in these terminals or the, these synapses, and they start to upregulate, which can lead to both this hyperalgesia, which results in more intense and painful stimuli. So what happens is that the patient starts to get uh, a very heightened response to uh, pain. You start to see also allodynia which is really an altered pain perception. So normally, a stimulus that doesn't feel painful, so we'll say light touch or even a feather, can be extrinsically terribly painful to patients. Or you'll often talk about patients where they'll find that a bed sheet will be intensely painful. So this is, this is happening because of this glial cell dysregulation that's happening, this heightened neuroinflammation and the central sensitization. So both hyperalgesia and allodynia are a result of that. So if we look at what's happening in the peripheral uh, nervous system around sensitization, you start to see these really interesting things that are happening to these peripheral nociceptors. So these peripheral terminals or these synapses become very sensitized. They become hyperexcitable. They uh, become increased to any kind of a, a noxious stimulus. They become heightened in their response. You start to see them acting even without stimulus, so they become very spontaneous as well. You can see these axons that are starting to generate these very spontaneous action potentials. The cell bodies start to change their protein expression, uh, and these synapses start to change in the strength and structural organization. So it's really uh, quite dramatic what starts to happen. If we look at what happens centrally, is that these changes start to happen within the neurons and the non-neuronal cells. So the, the nerves themselves, but also these glial cells, that the threshold for generating pain starts to decrease, so pain comes on much quicker. The duration of that pain, the strength of pain, how quickly it starts to happen also increase. We start to see some changes even in the central, uh, in the brain itself. So there actually has been some MRI demonstration, these functional MRIs, where we actually see a reduction in brain matter as other areas of that central nervous system or brain start to amplify around certain conditions, especially around low back pain, fibromyalgia, and chronic pelvic pain. So it's very interesting, uh, the, the kinds of changes that you start to see related to this uh, glial cell dysregulation. So what is the outcome of that? Uh, well, I think we kind of reinforce some of that, that we start to see a more intense pain, pain that becomes a little bit more radical, unpredictable in nature. And we start to see that pain associated with the persistence of pain or that chronification process is no longer linked to the peripheral stimuli. So they seem to be functioning in... in, in uh, sort of unique 
kind of ways and very separate from one another. It's like a third degree heart block if we wanted to use something in our emergency department. So when I think of a third degree heart block, I think of the ventricle and the atrium kind of not working together at all. It's like a divorce is happening. Well, this seems to be what's happening within our central nervous system and the peripheral nervous system around some of these changes. And we do refer to these as plasticity. So as was mentioned, in a condition like fibromyalgia and inflammatory bowel disease, we actually don't identify any kind of noxious stimulus or lesion or disease uh, within the peripheral nervous system. So it, it actually is purely run by that central higher learning circuits is the predominant mechanism around fibromyalgia and inflammatory bowel disease. So it's quite fascinating how some of these conditions are purely brain-based. So we're just going to stop there. We're only going to do a short little talk on uh, central sensitization, and we're going to move into uh, neuroinflammation in the next podcast. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Pain Talk. To learn more about our podcast and to find links mentioned in today's show, please visit our website at paintalk.ca. 